like our presenter just logged on. Uh, happy to have you, Mariela Ruiz Angel. Uh, and again, the name of this presentation is the Albuquerque Community Safety Department. Uh, so if without further ado, uh, please introduce yourself and take it away. Thanks, I apologize. I could not find the link to save my life. Um, so thanks for having me, everybody. My name is Mariela Ruiz Angel. I'm the director for the Community Safety Department the third branch to public safety. I'm sure many of you have heard of it, um, hopefully. Um, I'm gonna share my screen because I'm a visual person and that way I, you guys can see what I'm looking at. Can you guys see my presentation? Yep, perfect. So the Community Safety Department um, was created in 2020, um, just to give you some background. The administration had for years, right, when they came in, came in on an agenda that was really about um, one, public safety, but two, mental and behavioral health. And so um, they had tried out, right, there was lots of different initiatives that were very successful, um, the Wellness Check Program, um, right, Coast had already been in embedded in APD, which was also very successful. Um, I mean, there was all kinds of really great um, programs that I think the administration was like, this is fantastic. Um, however, I think all of them were really small programs, capacity was low. Um, and we wanted, I think he really wanted something that was pretty bold um, to kind of really try to make that, that larger change that I think we probably really need in our, in our city. Um, so anyways, that's how we ended up with this. It was never meant to replace any sort of program or any sort of department. It's really meant to just be a third option to 911. So uh, we used his tagline, which was the right response at the right time, which we think is pretty accurate. Um, just kind of gives you some, really the third branch is meant to send out a behavioral health responder. And these are folks who have backgrounds um, in social work, uh, counseling, peer support workers, um, and individuals who live some of these experience to go out to non-violent, non-medical 911 calls. So these are like a lot of your fours, your fives, your threes, even some of your twos where we know, right, level twos in, in, um, in regards to the, the severity of the call that just don't require a badge or a gun. They're just people, and it, many of you probably know it has a lot to do with people who are repeat callers, um, who we know have sometimes psychological issues and depend on our 911 system to kind of, you know, check on them and care for them. Additionally, we're sending out, we wanted to start sending out folks to calls that didn't necessarily have a mental or behavioral health background, such as needle pickups, abandoned vehicles, um, right? We know that abandoned vehicles, although can be dangerous, 80% or more potentially are people living out of their cars. So we definitely wanted to see how we can address those kind of issues as well. This is our current org chart and it's growing. Um, this is for FY22. Um, so we have, um, with the new department, you have to create all new um, policy and admin people. So um, I will be really transparent. We may have bit off a lot because it is quite expensive to create an entire department, but I also think we're a city that was definitely had the capacity to do so. Um, it's not what I recommend to smaller cities who don't even have like a mobile crisis team at all because 
they, it really takes some baby steps. And I think we had all those in place before we started this. Um, we have four different divisions. Um, so we have our uh, mobile crisis team, which many of you are probably aware, aware of. This is a co-response model with a clinician and a police uh, ECIT officer. We have our street outreach resource coordinator, and that's two individuals who go out with partners, um, solid waste, um, different departments across the city to really focus on encampments. And then we have our two types of behavioral health responders, which is um, actual behavioral health responder. And these are folks that have that background um, and are going out to 911 calls. And then our community responders are brand new. Um, this is a new division. These are our like non, um, non-behavioral health responders, but non-police. They kind of ride this like middle line um, and they're not quite ready to take non-injury accidents, but we're really going to try to up this amount so that we can allow for folks, these types of responders to really go out to some of these calls that we know take a lot of time for um, sworn officers to go out to. Um, and hopefully we can start making a dent in um, the, the amount of calls that police are having to go out to that take a lot of time. So this is our training plan, just to kind of give people some perspective. Um, we do an intense training plan with all of our staff. Um, we cover all kinds of stuff from um, data fidelity, right? Big piece of what, how we justify our work is through data. Um, we are doing our, our wellness check. So making sure that you know people are CPR certified, they know how to use Narcan. Um, we have... Uh, Dr. Rosenbaum, who does some of our training as well, and um, Carol Bruska, which I think some of you guys are familiar with um, from other meetings. So a lot of these folks are people who do our training. And then we also have a CIT training that's a little bit different than PDs, um, but it's still like a week long um, training that we do reality-based training so that people have a really un a good understanding of what they're about to walk into. So currently, this is how it works. So if somebody needs to get a hold of ACS, they call 911 if it's an actual emergency. Um, 911 will qualify the call. And pretty much the qualification is, does the person, is the person violent? Is it like a major um, crime? Um, and is there a, a weapon um, at, that they can visually see? If it hits any of those, it can't come to ACS. But if it doesn't hit those, it's really at the discretion of dispatch to then say, okay, we can totally send ACS to this. Um, if it does qualify, then they send it to the fire um, department's alarm room. And then that um, dispatcher will then actually send the um, ACS responder out. And so we use AFR's CAD system and radio system at this point. So these are people are probably wondering what kind of calls are you going out to? So we're really going out to a variety of calls. Um, this is how we prioritize them ourselves. So we are going out and not very often because our suicide calls never come in as a, um, very rarely do they come in as less than a two. Um, but we are, we do have gone out to some suicide calls, behavioral health issues, um, disturbances, down and outs, panhandlers, welfare checks. And um, we haven't quite started to take in message for delivery, but it is one of the calls that we qualified to say, like, let us help you in, in going out and working with folks. So um, there's, as you can see, there's a variety of different calls. And then we assigned a new ACS call types. So that way we can, we can kind of figure out, you know, so the 10 code is very APD, AFR has their own. And so now we'll have ours as well. 
What this looks like, if we were really to only look at low acuity calls, um, it's definitely more than three to 35, like 3,000 calls. It's a lot more actually. But we really felt that at this point with the amount of responders we have, that's about how many we could actually take um, a month. Um, you can also send us out via 311. We're not using 242 COPS very often because the wait time is a little long, but um, it is an option. And then the last one is, um, as many of you know, 988 is rolling out um, next year. And so we anticipate that um, we'll be getting calls from there. So this is just a quick timeline. As you can see, we're into October. Um, so we'll need a new one soon, but we're in our final hiring phase at this point. So we should be fully staffed by the end of December, early January. So we're very excited about that. And we'll also be 24 seven by the end of the year as well. So where do we look like right now? So again, we've got um, our clinical supervisor, MCTs, behavioral health responders, tier one, tier twos, you can kind of see, and I'll send this out so you guys can see it. So we're about halfway through, um, a little way more than halfway through, and some people are sitting in the queue, um, as many of you know, being um, going through the HR process at the city. So um, so yeah, so we're, we're really excited. We're getting our team up and going. So we've only been implemented since the last week of, um, of actually we've been a whole month, September. So um, we started in September and uh, we've been taking quite a bit of calls. Some weeks are better than others. Um, we do have capacity for probably about anywhere between 20 and 30 calls a day. Right now, our average is about nine. Um, last week, surprisingly, our numbers were about 15 a day. Um, this is where we're kind of falling. As you can see here, there is room for transport. Um, we've only had to call APD out for three calls, and a lot of that time is because of the transport um, and AFR a couple times, and that's because sometimes there's a medical need. Um, and then very, very, not that often though, but a quarter of the time we can see that there's definitely a refusal for services. So and people that we just don't find when we get the call. But those are 212 calls that we, or minus the three for PD, um, that we haven't had to call APD out, right? Which is really great. It's 212 calls that we just have been able to pull off the CAD list um, and the queue so that we don't have to take up police resources. So we're really excited about that. And we think that we'll start to be able to generate more calls as well. Um, as you can see, most of our calls are around unsheltered individuals. So a big piece of what we do is try to get people referring them to shelter, case management, um, even things like legal aid. As you can see, we're, we are all over the city. We did not, we were originally talking about maybe doing like a, a subsect, you know, section of the city, but we really felt like, let's just see what this looks like if we did it citywide. So um, it's been good. And you can see that there's problem areas, probably similar to um, the types of calls that we see from PD. Um, but you can see here, the dispatch to unit and route is only, um, it's, it's, it's very low, right? It doesn't take us that long. Dispatch to scene is only about 14 minutes. On scene to clear scene is only taking us about 22 minutes to clear a scene. Um, so on average, calls are only on hold for two minutes. So it's, it's a good thing. We've got responders, again, mostly going to unsheltered situations, which is okay. A lot of them are showing other types of issues. And hopefully that's the proactive work that we're looking for and the preventative work that we're looking for. 
The last thing is, um, as you can see, there's a little bit of both. So our alarm room is sending people out. So you can see that's the red. And then we do do self-dispatch. So if we're cruising down central and we see people, right, that are creating a shelter who look like they might be in distress. We've even stopped some domestic violence situations at the bus stop um, where we pulled over to kind of just check on folks. Um, we've been able to do that. So you can see we have less of those coming because we're getting more calls from 911. So it'll we'll see how that balances itself out. Um, we also have the mobile crisis team unit, which um, these are our numbers from the CAD. So for the month of September, we are seeing that um, they are going out to quite a few calls, um, doing 62 transports, and out of those calls, only 30 are needing certificate for evaluation. So it's, it's a, a pretty balanced number that we're seeing. Um, so that's those are kind of our current numbers. It was like a very quick snapshot of where we're at.